Hello folks, I'm Sunny Sen, co-founder and CEO of Consent.ai, a user lifecycle management platform for media companies at large. was an era when no one thought that people would pay to watch movies online. After all, you had free options like YouTube and piracy was pretty rampant. But today, I'm sure most of you listening to this podcast would have subscribed to a video streaming platform like Netflix. The business of news and journalism is going through a similar journey, from being free to read to now going behind paywalls. This tectonic shift has already happened in the US with most publishers using paywalls and is increasingly getting adopted in India also. And as we have said before, in a gold rush, the best way to make money is by selling shovels. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dat is talking to Sunny Sen, the co-founder and CEO of Consent.ai, which is providing tools to publishers to help them make the switch to paywalls. Consent is building a full-stack revenue solution for publishers. And in this episode, Sunny talks about the publishing landscape and the various ways to monetize content through smart user journeys and better intelligence. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn about how to sell shovels in a gold rush. I was pretty much an ambitionless child. I come from this small town, Brachi. Come from a business family. My dad was a businessman. Well, I was the first person in my entire family to do a job. I joined my dad's business in 1998. I expanded the business, built a wholesale distribution for the liquor business. In over the next six years, from 1998 to 2004, I ran that business. But he definitely wanted me to complete my graduation. And I said that, hey, let's go to Delhi. Let's complete my graduation in Delhi and then go back to Rachi, join the business and build the business and so on and so forth. When I completed my graduation, so I took up a course in uh, Diploma in Journalism in Bharti Vidya Bhavan. And, and one day, a few of my friends who were there in IMC, who were there in Jamia, they said that NDTV has a internship. I said that I do not want to do any internship because this is just more of a spending time in Delhi kind of a situation. And But I ended up going for the internship. Fortunately, we were 20 of our friends who went there to give for internship. The two of us who qualified were the two of us who didn't want to work in Delhi. And that's how the journey started. What were you covering? I used to cover crime and Delhi politics. Like NDTV is like a channel. So you were in front of the camera, behind the camera or what? Yeah, in front of the camera. In front of the camera. Yeah. So that's 2007. And you moved from being in front of the camera to being a reporter who was writing articles and all. This helped me understand your evolution and what kind of skills were you learning? So I was always a reporter. I was never a desk person. So journalism has three, four large buckets. So there are people who report. Then the reporters report to their bosses who are editors or vertical editors or so on and so forth. And then there is that desk. So whether the desk is there in digital, print and television, the desk actually edits whatever you file, whether it's a television report or so on and so forth. And then there are people who are in the production unit and there are designers. So broadly, this is the structure for any media organization. So I was always on the reporting side. So we used to call ourselves the, the shop floor guys, where you where the, who are producing the content. Yeah, and, and the desk guys are the people who package the content. 
and the platform distributes the content. So I was always in on the uh, creating the content, getting the news, reporting, talking to people, doing interviews, coming back, finding the first draft, second draft, doing my bit of editing, my bit of writing and a little bit of spit and polish. And then usually it used to be horrible and it used to be rewritten from first word to last word so on and so forth. And then I joined this Voice India. There was this company called Cyber Media. It still is. Where I started covering telecom. The Voice and Data magazine was only for the telecom industry. It was a B2B telecom industry magazine. The reason why I moved to business journalism was primarily because I thought business journalism is something which I would understand a little bit more because I came from a business background. And I did understand business a little bit more than most of my colleagues of my age. So that is why I moved to, but nobody was giving me a job because my resume only talked about how many murders I covered, how many rape stories I broke, and how many border crimes I reported and all of that. But the cyber media gave me an option and I did decent. And then I moved to Business World when Business World was still part of ABP Group and it was it used to be a weekly magazine. From there, I went to Business Today and Business Today is where actually my skill sets developed to, to the best of my knowledge kind of thing. What was your specialization in terms of, would you write, say, an insight about why something is happening or would you, like, like what would most of your output be? In magazines, it was more about long forms, right? You write detailed reportage. So I could never write, I still don't write this explainers that you have. So you analyze the news, you put your own opinion to it, explain why that happened. But I was more of a reporting person. So I would, if it is a, story on, say, Vodafone, when the entire fiasco was happening. I would talk to everybody inside Vodafone. I would talk to people who look at Vodafone from an outside. I took talk to competition, then piece the story together. A 360-degree reportage, deep dive reportage-based story. That was my speciality. So I was doing corporate at large. I was more of a corporate reporter. Eventually became from a startup, IT telecom reporter. I became a corporate reporter at large. And then eventually became corporate vertical head of sorts and associate editor and so on. So then I moved to Financial Express. And then in Hindustan Times, so that was a big challenge because Hindustan Times was a news platform. Though we did some of the long forms, but it was mostly news. And that was a challenge I wanted to take up in my life that uh, I've done so much of long form, but I want to see whether I can break news or not. And to my surprise, I could break news quite well. So I was averaging about three stories a day. Perhaps one more thing I learned because of that transition that in, in the process, either you make build transactional relationships or you build real relationships. And how did you build real relationships instead of transactional relationships? So I would not name a few people, but I can say that some of the the unicorn founders today that you see. I spend time with them, not just about the business. I spend time with them after hours, in the evening, late in the evening, talking about what the struggle they are going through. We would discuss their product. We would actually talk about how the new, what would the new features be. It was not about journalism at all. It was more about being a part of their hustle struggle built up phase. These were very small companies which have become uh, five billion dollar company, four billion dollar company, 10 billion dollar company, whatever it is today. Like uh, Sandeep from Droom and Shopkloos, like I, I can see you've written uh, like a biography. Yeah, they have become over time, they have become very good friends and they, now they are my mentors. Yeah, so they supported me when I started my career and they are always there for me whenever I need their help. 
It's just a shout out kind of a thing. So you become part of their lives and you don't keep it transactional just for a story, just for a breaking news. The equations of human lives have not changed in the past, you know, multiple centuries. It won't change in the next multiple centuries. So you need to connect at a human level, be empathetic, be understanding. You need to look beyond that one story. Then you join Factor Daily. Yeah. Factor Daily. What is Factor Daily? Yeah. yeah. So Factor Daily was a new age journalism platform like you have Ken or Morning Context today, but it's just that Factory was not behind a paywall, founded by Pankaj Mishra. And they wanted a good corporate reporter who could break stories. So that is how I joined. And my my boss of from Business Today was the editor there. And, and he asked me to join and I joined. And being a startup, and I also wanted to experience what a startup like. So that was also the first time I got an ESOP being part of the leadership team and I didn't have any knowledge about what the what ESOPs are. Of course, I knew what ESOPs are, but I never had ESOPs in any of my previous companies. In Factor Daily, I joined them as the corporate and policy editor. I was part of the Factor Daily when Entire Reliance, Geo, the big lunch, Geo battle between the rest of the telecom operators broke most of the stories at that point. Even almost every single story of the Flipkart, Walmart, merger was broken by me. I would arguably say that 70% of the stories that came out, the first stories that came out, the exclusives were done by me. That personally, I do not know if you would resonate with it or not, that it's easier if you are with a very large company like an economic times means it's a standard to break it because you have the you have the power of the brand alongside. People will pick up your call because you're calling from a big brand. But if you are with a small startup and still if you're able to break the stories, that that is the, perhaps the biggest proof of relationships that you have built over time. Factor Daily is not a major player today. So what happened there? So Factor Daily pivoted into what is now a media labs. So they do very few, very deep dive stories for media organizations. They train journalists to do very good journalism. I didn't want to leave, but not a media labs person, definitely not a media labs person, not a trainer of journalism. While this was happening, one of my previous bosses from Business World, he was with Economic Times and he was creating, which was editorially neutral branded content where you create content like series of content and then it is and it gets sponsors. Very well done by New York Times, very well done by Washington Post and so on. But the weather journalism is not comparable. It's not an advertorial. Where you do good journalism, it's a series of stories on a topic and then the sales teams or the marketing team go and get people to sponsor that entire series. So for example, this podcast you do. So you have, you're doing a series of podcasts with founders and then a company, say, Freshworks, okay? A VC fund, Freshworks, right. Freshworks, which has startups as a big cohort of their clients. They sponsor this podcast, this entire series. So Freshworks sponsoring this podcast has no bearing with the content of the podcast. That's what I built. By the time it was 10 months, 11 months, Pankaj Misha had joined Network 18 as a group editor for the new economy, which is all startup related things, the entire new economy, whether it's startups, technology, new mobility, all of that. And Pankaj said that, hey, I need somebody to become the national corporate editor. And it was a group level role that like, across money control first and CNBC and we wanted to start a television show. But by then, constant had already started 
happening in my mind and Shanak Smile, who was my co-founder. But when Pankajpal, I said, let's go there because it was not finalized. And the reason why you see the last two in short is because these two reasons. And, and in January, I decided that I'll start up in 2020. And that was the end of my journalism career. At least the first phase of my journalism career. I do not know if I will ever have to go back or not. And but I should never say never. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You you spent maybe a decade and a half in this industry, and your startup is also in the same industry only. What what were those dots that you connected to realize that okay, this is something which this industry needs, and I should build this and make a startup on it. So subs see you know. Subscriptions were slowly growing. It had happened in the US. India always is a lagging innovator. We start doing things about 10 to 15 years after the US does and about 7 to 8 years after China does. And then there is applied innovation. So the real innovation happens in the US and then India does an applied innovation and makes it slightly better for masses and across classes and and then they go wow man this is low cost and i spread kind of a thing right and subscription was one space where all of this was subscription was being lapped up by everybody nyt wsj washington post bloomberg you just name it everybody knows that people had started paying for content any respectable news site was behind a paywall yeah shana kind of knew that and as an individual, you want to consume content, but when you're hit by a paywall, you do not buy every single subscription. You will not buy 20, 30, 40 subscriptions. So we knew that. But if there was an option of people for people just to pay for one news which he wants to buy, if he's not a loyalist of that platform for which he wants to subscribe, then there is a higher opportunity for generating revenue by just making that one piece of content payable instead of forcing the user to buy a subscription. Okay. Like a micropayment mechanism. Yeah. An alternate. And when we wanted to stitch the ecosystem, so that if a user has micropaid on any platform, he moves to a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth platform. How do we reduce the friction of payment there on the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth platform? So he said that we should have a universal login, which allows the user not to fill in password, form, name, blah, 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 is if the second, third, fourth, fifth platform are also constant partners, the user just needs to move there, make the payment, boom, one click or two clicks, whatever it is. And the more you reduce friction, the every step you add, there is more drop-offs. If you can eliminate two or three steps from making a payment process, your automatically conversion goes up. So we said that a universal login across all consent partners and micropayments as an alternate. That's how consent started. But today it's a very different company. It looks at the industry through a very different lens. That was the starting point of the business. We have built on top of it. That still continues. We still say that micropayments is a very important cog in the entire wheel. We say that micropayment is not singular thing that will drive your business. Micropayments is a way to identify a very premium cohort of users who are willing to pay for your content. And on top of that, you need to have a very good analytics platform which understands that user. Eventually, you would need to understand what that micropayer wants to read, what are his interests. Also, you need an engagement platform to engage with that micropayer so that he comes to your platform again and again and eventually becomes a subscriber. So it is one of the most important cogs in the wheel, but it's not the wheel in itself. So we wanted to be part of the paywall. 
and we wanted to integrate with the media companies and we did try b2c we tried to help media companies get more people to those pages which had premium content and that was a foolish idea and we should have never have done it on all of that so we always say that to build a b2c brand first you aim you need to get curate all the content on your platform which is expensive and then you need to get users on your platform which is high csc cost of acquisition and then it's a crazy loop so we said that we'll always be we'll always integrate with media companies sit inside media companies and we will fire the paywall the paywall have will have a subscription option which is their own subscription option and we'll power the micro payment side of it so the forms users so india today's users or outlooks users they are they get the way to access content and we have will have a universal backbone stitching the entire ecosystem at a certain level how did you go about building this then you must have started first with the uh, alliances of unit binds for the from the publishers to integrate this and you know tell me that journey that zero to one journey so i stitched my first client even before i started consent so outlook was my first client i said that this is a concept i'm working on and would you like to would you like to be my first partner so after a few discussions outlook said yes and then i raised money just based on an idea I'm not a coder. I'm a BA graduate. I don't know how to build a technology company. I didn't know how to code and build technology. So then, uh, then I raised money. We raised half a million dollar, and then we hired coders. Yeah, and you also got on board co-founders. That, that was before the raise. No, Shonak and I were co-founders from day one. We thought of the idea together, and we brainstormed it. We created the first PRD together. All of that, yeah. So from there, I we raised the money, and from there we hired techies. and we built the business and outlook waited for a year before we launched and outlook was a partner after a year to do beta with us and so ha- what a user would see is let's say i click on an article on outlook's website they'll be like maybe the first para and then after that they'll be like subscribe to outlook at let's say 199 a month or just read this article for 5 rupees and if someone chooses the second option that just read this article for 5 rupees then your workflow allows them to like you will do the sign up and the payment integration and collect the payment and give them access to that one single article yes and what was the technology behind it that you built like how did the tech of it work so we had the product idea so we then we through the network and through direct hiring we hired five developers back end front end tech architect and we started building that technology yes so you want to know the tech stack not exactly but how do you get inside outlooks content management solution and give your user access to just that one article okay so we have a javascript integration and we sit on the head of the website and have a content access mechanism with the javascript that functionality and we gate the content and whenever somebody pays for a content there is a callback function and there is a payload which is passed on to the back end of outlook and say like, hey x user has made a payment akshay's example akshay has made a payment of 10 rupees now you can give return the remaining story to akshay and let him consume the story so all the data also when we have web integrations they do not use data everything is part of the system but today if you look at it we power both subscriptions and micro payments for outlook we also handle their entire login system in that journey so you started with this product where you integrated with outlook for individual article access uh, what text then we integrated with india today then we integrated with amar ujala then we integrated with so we had about 15 20 partners by early this year yeah, this includes the national say economic times uh, mint and all no e team industrial not our partners ha huh. 
Also, they are not a part of because media paywalling industry is largely run by uh, subscription management companies. So there is Piano, there is Ebolo. For example, HT, to the best of my knowledge, is is a piano partner. They do the subscription management. Our thing of different stack are is a solutions are more diverse than pianos, and piano would say it's more diverse than ours. But yeah, so HT is already using somebody, and there are there is a life cycle: three years, sometimes five years, there are sometimes two years. Yeah, so that's how it is. So yeah, HT is not a partner. People using piano, they can't integrate with consent like in terms of micro payments because for the, for me as a consent user it the more websites that are available through consent the more powerful it becomes yes yes the network effect kicks in but to be very honest that that use case is there but we haven't seen such an elaborate use case of it so we have seen so there are every platform has shared users but that shared user base is about 5 to 10 percent, to be very honest. Also, because we are not across everybody. So when we are across everybody, then the use case, as you said, so the network effort plays in after you have a certain number of, we have 53 partners today. So yes, and also if you look at India, not every content is behind the paywall. A lot of content is still free. 99% of the content continues to be free. So the more, so apart from more websites, more content also needs to go to the platform. So I need to stop on every website. But yeah, Somebody who uses a piano can also integrate with Constant. There is no no problem with that. And we are working with platforms who are piano partners and who are Evolok partners as well. Not for that platform, but so every media company has 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 media platforms, right? So for some platforms, piano is there. For some platforms, Constant is there. So that is happening. Because on the same platform, they do not want two user management platforms sitting on one platform. So, for example, let's take Podium. So now Podium has a user management platform and another B user management platform. And they don't talk to each other. It doesn't really make sense. So that's the whole case. But yeah, there are platforms who have chosen us uh, despite having some of our larger competitors. I see that as a huge proof of concept kind of thing that we are perhaps doing something right and moving in the right direction. A user who's using consent, so he will be able to access all articles he paid for. Is there a consent app or a consent dashboard for me as a user? Yeah, yeah there is. There is. Okay. Okay. Well, I can see what all articles I've paid for, revisit them if I want to. And Yeah, yeah. You also have a validity period, which is defined by the publisher. So I said, hey, this, you bought this article for 10 rupees and this validity period is 29 days and you can always go to your user.constant.in dashboard and you can check those articles within that period. And if that if you want to rebuy that article, you can go also rebuy that article after the validity ends and your entire, even a subscription management, if you have bought two or three subscriptions, anything you can manage your subscriptions from the user dashboard as well. And what is your take rate in this? If an article is sold for 10 rupees, how much do you earn? It ranges from 10% to 20%, in some cases 25%. So micropayments is 20% and 20 to 25%. Subscriptions is 10%. If somebody buys a subscription, there is a definition of 10%, 12%, 15%, depending on, on what kind of company we are integrating with. There are very large companies, so we, it's okay to do with a slightly lower subscription revenue share. But now we are going into, we are actually started giving analytics. We have started giving paywalling journeys. So you can have different paywalling journeys for different audience segments, segment-based paywalling journeys now. So for example, we are just launching it as we speak. Today we are pushing it into production. So you can say, okay, fine. Uh, Android users will have this journey. iOS users will have a different journey. You can say that a hey, Android user, so that usually 
it's just the cost of the phone if you, that is the paying propensity so you can say the android users will be allowed to do two micro payments in a month and the third time it becomes back you see the subscription paywall while ios users will see only subscription wall in the us you see a subscription wall in emerging countries micro payments twice or thrice and you can have multiple audience segments multiple uh, segments and different paywalling journeys for different segments you can say that okay this segment will get a special offer this if a micro payer comes to a subscription page he will get a 20% discount if it's a direct subscription page he will not get a discount okay? so you can do multiple permutations so it becomes a very flexible and a very intuitive tool because then you start getting different paywall analytics and then you get start getting different journey analytics so you start knowing which journey is working which paywall is working it it becomes pretty sexy okay interesting uh, and then you can customize those paywalls and then you can customize paywalls we have a paywall template builder with 70 paywalls to design from and then we have a timer based paywall on weekends you can say you can run subscription sales like flash sales and you can say 48 hours special offer so we have gone into that space now yeah how did this pivot happen from being a micropayment infrastructure to being like a saas provider to publishing industry So we always knew that we are a SaaS player. So there was no confusion about that. That is why never we never wanted to the B two C go the B two C route. When we started micro payments, we realized that our partners were saying that, hey, why don't you help us build a subscription business also? So we are not going to build a subscription business. We are an alternate payment mechanism business. And I said, but they said, hey, then it really doesn't make sense for us to have a subscription. I keep somebody else for micro payments. I keep. So it was more kind of an existential crisis, to be very honest. So as I said, when we started the business, I didn't have money. problem raising money so there was enough believers who wanted to fund the business and help me out help me start up so whom did you raise from uh, we had quite a few sandeep uh, ritesh neera uh, jagarwal whatsapp uh, vijay shekhar sharma so we had a good number of backers at an idea stage and i was raising right in the middle of the first pandemic where there was no money in the market so nobody was getting money this is where your relationships came in handy yes I think that is why I'm a big believer of relationships rather than just having transactions. So when India Today Outlook they started saying that, yeah, just a midday jagran, all of them. So they started saying that, hey, just micro payments doesn't cut through. And we went back to the drawing board and said, hey, micro payments. What will micro payments do? So we realized that micro payments is a very important cog in the wheel. As I said, identify who are the users who are willing to pay, but. the main revenue will eventually come from subscriptions but you help the media industry create a very premium cohort of people at almost a zero cac business by just showing up a wall identify and get a little bit of revenue and a much larger cohort of users who will pay for you eventually today or tomorrow and it was existential either we either we lose that business or we build a full stack and we chose to build a full stack rather than shutting down concept how did you think about pricing like you chose not to charge a fixed subscription fees but monetize as a percentage of revenue tell me about that process so now we are going into a fixed plus revenue share model as we speak we'll be launching it in a couple of weeks but when we started also because the product gives a lot more analytics today so it gives you stop rate analysis you, your who are your frozen users who are your repeat users what kind of people are coming premium content views its revenue churn predictive predictions of revenue that will come in over the next quarter one year so now we see that because there is a huge compute cost that we had to do this and provide those analytics we say you know there is a minimum 
$150 platform cost, which is essentially to just to take care of the compute cost, not to make money. But we continue to make money from the rev share kind of thing. But it was so $150 a month or annual? $150 a month. So 10,000 rupees a month. Any subscription management platform just to manage subscription charges a lot more. And so your boss, okay. And then there are discounts on top of this. So actually, it's not even. So the way we charged it, we said that, you know, entry to earn money should never be a barrier. And we said that hey, there should not be any platform cost or SaaS fee. You just go into become a partner. Again, my concept of relationship is very deep rooted inside me and consent. So relationships, we say that we will be partners in your growth and not become a company which says, no matter how much money you make, you give me this much. So that is how, why we said that zero cost uh, integration, zero cost maintenance, and now, and it will just be a revenue share model as you grow. But with subscription management as a system, there is a lot more that you start giving, right? Then your reminder emails, recurring payments, there's a hell lot of things that you need to do. So that is why we said, what should be the platform cost, which is not hurting anybody. Five, six, seven thousand rupees is nothing. It's as good as keeping it free. But it just takes care of my... It just takes care of my compute cost. Every platform has got 10 million, 30 million, 40 million users, even one and a half, two million. So analyzing them, script and all of that, you're keeping the records, you're showing the analytics of those users, maintaining that user base, running a compute, DB database cost. Then you start incurring cost. When we started, it was just a paywall which used to fire. We used to collect the payment payload. We used to go to them and they would unlock. And there was very basic analytics. How many people are paying? A single page dashboard. And some web hooks to the users, yeah. So now we are building API dashboards, which actually starts selling your performance, goal setting, all of that starts happening, yeah. What do you mean by performance? Like revenue performance or what performance? Revenue performance, user performance, uh, user behavior performance, all of that. User behavior like in terms of payments or like what they are seeing, what kind of content and so on? At a content level as well, plus uh, what is the status of users on your platform? Which bucket do they fall in? Whether these users will renew or not. And uh, you told me that you also help them get insights on what content is working to guide them on what kind of content to produce. Uh, How do you do that? They have a dashboard which they start seeing how many people have opened the page, how many people have scrolled down to the paywall, how many people have clicked on the paywall, how many people have purchased. You start seeing a pattern there. You start seeing a pattern. And as a as a partner, you also tell them because you are seeing so much happening in the universe. So there are 53 companies who what is working for, for in the industry, what is a typical user behavior across a much larger ecosystem. Then you start identifying patterns at a meta, a meta level kind of thing and say, hey, this is what ideally should be the pattern. This is what the pricing of the story should be. This is what how you should price your subscription. You should not do one month subscription. Why you should not do one month subscription? How do you, you should create a premium story segment? There should be more discoverability. I cannot go and tell them exactly what news you should write. I can tell the tonality. I can tell that what people usually like paying for, right? Because in India today, it's very different from an Amar Ujjala. It's a vernacular media. It's a national English medium, Hindi medium versus somebody in South, a federal or somebody. Despite being English, it's a Chennai-based catering to a larger local audience and uh, a, a large Middle Eastern audience, right? So that from platform to platform, the content differs. But there is an overall thing that this, these are the kind of content people, for example, deep dive, personality-oriented stories, 
explainers. If it's a regional platform, you take pick up localities or regions, and then you create a news plus on an analytics. For example, if I, if it's a newspaper in Himachal, people would like to read more about if it's a story in the area of agriculture. So they would like to read about a detailed report and this year how the apple crop tree harvesting will happen. What are the things that you or the what are the how it is affecting other new technologies that have come up which we need to improve harvesting of apples all of, all of that or a local politician who's coming up has done a deep dive into the political landscape kind of a thing if there are if there is for example if there is a gujarat election coming up it would be nice to do a series on all the upcoming leaders of gujarat do interview based series of say, maybe a 10 leaders in this thing and then you might also want to do a series of people so the new generation versus the old generation, a series of 10 politicians who have been politicians, started the political careers 40 years ago versus people who started their career in, in the last 10 years. So then you do a mindset kind of extrapolation and then these kind of things really start working. People start paying for this. These are basic tonalities that people like to pay for. And then they have to figure out their universe and their readers and how do they treat their readers with special content. I can tell you broad buckets of special content, then they'll have to figure it out. One part of what you help companies with is subscription revenue. But for companies, there are generally two sources of revenue, subscription revenue and ad revenue. Do you also help in ad revenue? Not yet. But going forward, we are looking at ways where we can help them monetize ads as well. Maybe create a better native ad platform. Because we are present, we can create a, a DMP of sorts, a data management platform, and we can and curate interest so that they can go ahead and based on interest-based selling, they can target a lot, lot more companies with ad rates, with higher CPMs and so on and so forth. But you, in your product, also have, like part of your product is also this, helping publishers to understand their audience and break them up into cohorts. And so that is part of your product as well. Not at an interest level. Our, our audience management is actually, you can't say people who are interested in auto. So that, that audience segmentation, we do not care. So we are more like people. Okay, okay. You would be like device and payment and like. We have, you can create about two, with the new audience segmentation platform, you can create more than 25,000 audience segments, which doesn't include interest, which would be people who have logged in, people who have the higher propensity to pay, people who have the higher propensity to register, people who have higher loyalty, people who have micropaid once, people who are micropaid twice, people who come from, various countries, people who have affinity towards a particular language, people, all those things. Registered user, unregistered user, people who are about to expire, people who, their subscriptions. Then there is the user scoring, propensity to register, inside propensity to pay, there are multiple segments, higher propensity, lower propensity. Then there are churning ratios based on people who are most likely to, you, you are most likely to lose. Then there is RFP, which is recency frequency volume, where you create an entire audience segmentation based on how recently the user came, how much is he consuming, how frequently he comes. So which actually kind of bifurcates your user segmentation based on much, much deeper uh, platform-based understanding of users. But it doesn't tell you whether you're interested in an auto or beauty products or something else. Do you see that opportunity to build like a full stack solution where you are doing all revenue, be it subscription, be it advertising? Yes, we try to try to see the evolution of the business the way we look at it and why we think this is the best way forward. So we started with micropayments. 
what my partner said that I want to convert that micro paying user into subscriber. So if we just take this problem statement, the first problem statement was get to more payers. So which micropayments somewhere address that issue. Now my partners tell me I want to convert these micro payers into subscribers. Akshay comes to a platform, he buys a story and he might have come from Google search. He lands on any platform or which the other and then he leaves it. For India today, there is no mechanism to maybe uh, one year later, Akshay wants to come back to India today or because Akshay has no loyalty with India today, right? So Akshay wants to come back, doesn't come back to India. So India today has got that 5 rupees or 10 rupees or 15 rupees. Then there is no later value of Akshay making a payment, right? So how do you create value out of it? So A, you need to understand is Akshay coming back or not, which only analytics can tell you or a data present. So we want to build the world's most visually efficient analytics platform. And maybe someday we, I will be able to show it to you. Our visual appeal of the way we look at data is very different. It's very easy. In somebody who doesn't understand technology at all will also be able to understand what is happening on this platform. But now also you need to engage with the user. So Akshay has given his mobile number, email to make her payment. Now every time, so you have become part of a special cohort of people who pay for content. So now India Today would like, or for that matter, any other publication would like to connect with you every time a new content comes or create a newsletter for you, send you a WhatsApp news digest. They cannot keep bombing everybody. So it becomes a separate cohort which you engage separately. So you need marketing automation tools to the audience segmentation platform. So there is an audience segmentation platform that audience segmentation powers both paywalls and marketing automation. So you can connect the paywalling function with the marketing automation. Any user who has micropaid once, send him weekly news digest. So you connected emails and WhatsApp to the paywall. And when that is happening, you can start seeing analytics saying that what is happening to the user and is he coming back again and again. Then you create a 360 degree view of that user. So this user was a micropayer. He was sent mails. He opens my mail so frequently and consumes content. That is why his loyalty has increased. And that is why now I can push him into a subscription funnel and send, sell him a subscription. If you have declined subscription buying two times, can I push the next best offer to him? So this is what we are building as we speak. So you're building that entire MarTech stack for publishers, be it serving notifications, serving emails, like that email marketing stack and... Yeah, even the WhatsApp integration, you are building all of that. Very detailed analytic from a content level all the way to a user level to AI ML based scoring systems on the analytics side all the way down to the marketing automation stack. So tomorrow I want paywalls to be intelligent. Actually, I want paywalls to be intelligent. I my you should just you should paywalling should be a plug and play thing. So you plug it on your website and depending on interest levels and so if a user has high interest, show him a sub wall on that particular content. If that user is a fleeting user, then do not show him a wall on that content kind of thing. Or maybe if the user has a propensity to pay, show him a wall. If he has a low propensity to pay, do not show him a pay wall. And then you can say at different stages of propensity, show him different kind of walls. And then latch it on with the marketing automation so that you keep on keep the retention. So once you have sold a subscription, you want to retain that subscriber. So how do you retain that subscriber? How do you measure retention? So all of that. Okay. Uh, what about content recommendation? Interest-based content recommendation? We already have a basic recommendation in place, which is most viewed, most purchased article recommendation that we already have. 
So now with the interest-based platform that we, we are building the AIML recommendation stack, and once that stack is up and running, we should be able to we should be able to do that recommendation on the fly as well. It would take us a couple of months or about three months to integrate. So that actually completes. Now we will integrate the recommendation stack with the marketing automation stack. So the email, the newsletter that goes to you will have different content versus the email that comes to me. Different sets of content. And this will all be autopilot. As a publisher, I just need to keep publishing content. And probably you would share insights on what kind of content to focus more on and tonality of content and so on. But I just need to focus on content and you will take care of paywalling, of engaging users to convert more of them, upselling and so on. Like that entire revenue stack, the non-advertising revenue stack you are taking care of completely. That's right. What about the marketing automation? Will that be a separate paid feature like the WhatsApp newsletter, email newsletter? Yeah, we are not taking a platform fee even for that integration. You said you're not, you're depending on your use, you pay. Because WhatsApp is, is 55, is close to what 50, 52 pesos per, per message, right? Email has a cost to it. So whatever they use, anyway, they will be paying. What I will be doing is I will be giving them the same tool at a lower price point. Because for me, it's a bulk deal I do, right? And I can pass on that cost to them and they can get the benefit. They can get better engagement at a lower cost. That's not what you want to monetize. You want to monetize the revenue share. So all of these are aiding to grow that revenue so that your revenue share is maximized. I will make money on emails also. I will make money on uh, notifications also. But I would say that Consent is more of a tentacled platform today. And if you're offering a service where you are giving audience segmentation, a canvas to create drips, there is a huge, there is people cost attached to it. There's a cost of the platform. There is a cost of the servers. There are cost of managing that. And you have to make it better all day over and day over. And there is analytics. Everybody gives email analytics. Nobody has thought about giving user analytics of email users. You will see a very different analytics even on emails and not just four or five parameters. It's a huge difference from where the email analytics is looked after. That is cost again. So I'll be making money. But even after making money, I'll be able to give an, give an email service provider at a lower cost than anybody else in this industry. So if I can give an ESP at a price point which is lower than anybody else in this industry and yet make money, I think I should make money in that case. Tell me something. Will the fact that you are able to see user behavior across multiple websites give you a, an extra advantage that... You could, for example, know that, okay, Akshay has is somebody who pays for content because he has paid on one of the other sites where, where consent is used. And therefore, when I come to another site, then the behavior, the kind of paywall is more customized to me, even though I'm a first-time visitor. Yes, you can do that. If this is possible. Right now, we are not doing it, but we will do it. And But I will not share your data with the platform. You can just create a audience segment. So think of Facebook Facebook as an example or Google as an example. So Facebook and Google know you as a user and based on it, they're serving the ads, right? Here, the paywall is served based on so what a platform can do. They can say any user who has paid inside the consent ecosystem, but they cannot say who has paid on a consent platform. They cannot choose a platform. So you can say any user who has made a payment in the past 10 days. If he comes to my platform, show him a subscription wall with 30% discount or something of that sort. Or you can customize a message. Hey, we know that you love paying for content. 
with so i will not be violating the privacy it's also part of my sla's with publishers where but at an interest level i will definitely make sure that better conversions happen i want to understand from you where you think the publishing industry is going to evolve to is it going to be more like ken morning context which are like special interest ad free only subscription platforms or is it going to be more like a hindustan times where is this industry likely to evolve towards both of them will exist the general interest will always make more money see journalism is also driven by how much of content you are pushing inside the system for example if you look at say an hd or a times of india or an india today or even a new york times which has a huge subscription business they push more than 500 pieces of content every day versus scan which pushes one piece of content or maybe two pieces of content morning context maybe five or six a five and six content you will get only so much users you will cap at 10000 15000 users at best you will never have a 1 million user base na subscriber base but a times of india and hd if they can create premium content good content and everything then you can easily look at 1 million user base in its annual report says that it has got 1 million uh, subscribers out of 15 million users who come to their website every month 1 million are subscribers which is a pretty high number do you think there'll be more revenue through subscription or through advertisement for these general interest platforms advertising revenue will be bigger for a very long period of time but i can tell this with 100% conviction that subscription revenue which is not even 1% of the revenue base that will become a sizable 20 25% for a lot of platforms for a lot of platforms So globally, already subscription revenue has become bigger for many platforms than their digital ad revenue. What is the case for New York Times? I think New York Times makes more digital revenue from subscriptions than on digital ad. And I know in India, but New York Times is an outlier. It'll take a long time for Indian general interest publishers to reach that level. Yeah, yeah. But even if it becomes ten percent or fifteen percent, it becomes a very large revenue stream. For somebody who is making thousand crores, if they start making two hundred crores or fifty hundred crores, and I know platforms which are making forty fifty crores from subscription already in India. Which are the top subscription earning platforms in India? I can tell you the most prominent ones, of course. So there is Hindu, there is Express, there is Vicaton. Mint is doing very good in subscriptions. India Today is doing good in subscriptions. Outlook is doing very good in subscriptions. These are the top five. six brands in no order of priority it's interesting that these regional players are part of this list being slightly more niche helps you get more subscribers so also there is, so one thing i talked about is loyalty loyalty plays a very big role so for generations they would be swearing by that brand yeah, someone like hindu has that cult following cult following yeah yeah express has a very big cult following india today has a very solid cult following when it comes to magazine or long form content or outlook for that matter they are still the largest brands out there caravan caravan of delhi press they are doing great with and i can go on record to say that some of these brands will have more subscription revenue than digital ad revenue in the next 3 to 4 years so you you raised that half a million dollars initially tell me about the fundraise journey from there on yeah So we raised half a million dollar, and about one year down the line, we realized that we want to raise more money. So we went ahead based on the concept and everything. We shared. We got a term sheet of about one point eight million. Okay, but after five months of having a term sheet, having an SHA, 
the deal didn't, didn't go through for no fault of ours or theirs. What happened? Like, why did it go through? We were also pivoting. So it looked more like a confused company than a... You were from microtransactions, you were moving into a more full stack. Full stack. And then a lot of people in the VC industry thought we are a B2C company. And I said, hey boss, we are not a B2C company. We are a B2B company, which somehow has a thing at a B2C level, which gives universal access and all of that. So it was a lack of understanding. Maybe it was more on on our end where we could not communicate the vision properly. And we were also discovering our way forward. Did this put you into a crisis mode when the funding fell apart? Because Did you have enough for payroll for next couple of months or were you like end of runway? I was end of runway. So I had two months, of course, two months money. So this fell fell through in the month of... So I, the, I got a term sheet in the month of July and I had runway till February. And my biggest learning as a founder is just because you have a term sheet and a shareholder agreement, do not start hiring. And of course, I did start hiring as a first-time founder. And my runway was, I had money only till I could give January salary. That's all I had. So December, I fell through and I just had money for that. And at one point of time, I was thinking whether I should ask people to leave and find a job because there is a moral obligation. But we managed, again, the relationships, the network, everything came together and we, we raised the money. So we raised it in tranches, we raised a CCD round and then we closed it in that round. We raised exactly 1.75 million and we continued to hire. We continued to hire. So uh, do you plan to raise more funds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we will need one more round of funding. I also plan to, I'm trying to turn the company profitable by next year, January-ish. Because for whatever I'm doing right now, I do not want to use VC money to do this. I should, I think that our partner ecosystem should create enough money for us so that this 45-member team or a 50-member team can run. So if tomorrow there is no money coming in, the company should not stop. But you would need money for unlocking the next level of growth, which is a completely AI-driven, intelligent platform and global expansion and so on and so forth. So one, one round of funding is what we would definitely require. But then you go into the spiral of keep on raising money for more expansion, more expansion. You set up teams, offices globally. And maybe those things we will also do. But one round to unlock the next level of growth. Yeah. What is your current ARR? Current ARR is about 2.5 crore. What do you, what's your target? Like by next year, what do you want to hit? By next year, we should hit about close to about, about 30 odd crores. Wow. That's a pretty massive growth. This will be on the back of more like increasing the revenue for your partners or also signing up new partners? Or? Both, both, both. And also more products, more product selling per partner kind of thing. The fixed fees, SaaS products, which you're working on. The bad SaaS products. Okay, okay. So you're saying that the next level will be like a completely AI powered platform. How is that different from what you have today? Like for a for a publishing partner, what will be the difference that he will experience? Today, apart from the scoring system, which we mentioned, which is business intelligence, more likely the propensity to pay, loyalty scores, etc. There is nothing which is AI powered. Everything is analytics powered. It's it's data science largely, which is without AIML. So AIML is very loosely used. Analytics is people use analytics and they say that it's AIML. So this is not AIML. This is advanced analytics and data science to identify pat- no, to identify based on mathematical calculations and then show trends. AIML is starting to think like a human mind would think and then maybe 
then you do clustering and you do all of that. Then you start to identify patterns across clusters and then you do grouping of that. And then you start doing recommendations and so on and so forth. A recommendation engine will be AI powered. Eventually, I want to make analytics AI powered. So it should be able to identify patterns and give you insights as to what to do. Otherwise, what's the point? Everybody has an, everybody does analytics. What's different that constant can do? What kind of recommendations will it be giving? Like what kind of content to do? What kind of paywall to serve? Yeah, everything. There will be an intelligent layer on top of everything that constant does. Okay. Okay. And uh, including the marketing automation, uh, I guess that also you would make it more, more like autopilot mode instead of manual because once you're able to parse interests then you can generate newsletters on the fly because you understand the interest of each user so ideally i should be able to tell my platform partners that you have selected an audience segment this is a journey i suggested you should put so that your conversions are better instead of you creating the journey because we have understanding across so many partners we should be able to create the journey that nobody in the world has done okay and at a 30 CR ARR, you will be profitable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Your team of 50 people right now, this is largely product tech folks. 42. 42. This is largely product and tech folks, or do you also have like a service team which helps customers to use the platform? And we have. So they would be like sharing recommendations with them and like helping them learn how to use the platform and stuff like that. Also, product upselling, also, it's more, mostly customer success. Sales, customer success, then there is brand marketing for to lead generation. All of that. As we slowly go into the global market, we are setting that up. It's largely been direct sales. Now we are doing marketing, slowly setting that up as well. And for sales, I guess you would personally be leading that because you have the network, the connections to really open doors, talk to right people in India at least. Yeah, yeah. In India, yes. In India, we have the network. In fact, Preeti is Preeti, Pratik, all of them are very good people. I, I needed to do that in the first one year. Now everybody knows content. More or less everybody knows us. At least in the media ecosystem, more or less everybody knows us. Those conversations are ongoing. So yeah, pretty much okay in India. Globally, I will face the same problem as anybody else in my team would face. And what's your plan for global expansion? Which countries and how will you go and get customers in those countries? We have some global networks. We have some global interests. So, so Constant never went out of India to pitch anybody. So we are talking to eight, eight global publishers, publishers, all of them inbound. People spend money to set up these operations and find a consultant, get those first. But Constant never had to do that. And these are from which countries? Like You're looking at English-speaking countries as your focus or...? Yeah, Europe, Europe, Australia, US, one in the Middle Eastern region. All of them known big companies. And your rev share from these deals would be much larger purely because of the currency arbitrage. And what they pay for a product like this is 20x higher than what we are charging. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.